Hello, and, again, welcome to the Aperture Science Computer Aided Enrichment Center. We hope your brief detention in the relaxation vault has been a pleasant one. Two True Freaks presents Hope of All Trades, hosted by Hope Mullinax, a podcast by a girl unheard of! If it isn't Skywalker's filthy, obnoxious little pet. Where am I? Well, girl. You're well spotted. It's a girl? Oh, yeah. You're right about that. She can violate my rights if... Hey! You make this, and you die a legend. Can I pee first? I'm really glad that worked. Those would have been terrible last words. Hi guys, Hope is back and I'm here and I have to issue a small apology for my long break. Um, A lot of stuff happened to me in about the last two months and a lot of it was really tough. the biggest reason why I haven't been around and haven't been able to record was that my brother got into an, a car accident, and it it was kind of stressful during that time, and at the time, uh, he ended up breaking his leg, and he couldn't get around the house and stuff when he got out of the hospital, so at the time, I was the only person without a job, so I was staying with him and helping him out, and then what happened was during the th- about the three weeks I stayed at my mom's house, I forgot my microphone like a dumb kid, so I didn't have a way to record a podcast. And literally the day or two after I got out of watching my brother, I got a job. And so I have two jobs now, and I've never had two jobs before in my life. So that's the other big reason why I haven't recorded a podcast, because I'm learning how to time manage between two jobs. Um... The first one is I'm writing blogs for websites, which is really fun because I get to write and I love writing. And the other job, and I hope you are ready to be jealous, is I am working at a comic book store. And I'm really excited. So don't be surprised if a lot of my podcasts from here on out is about comic books and me reviewing comic books and reading them and stuff like that. So, yeah, that will kind of go back to the older Two True Freaks, you know, Tales of the Justice League, uh... Stuff like that, back to the bins. So there might be a few comic book reviews and all this, but that's pretty much where I've been the last two months, is working and dealing with these kind of family crisis, crises, 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 and stuff. Yeah. So, we have a fun show for you today. It's going to be a shorter show because I have an hour before I have to start getting ready for work. So, let's see what we can cram into an hour. Um, I'm going to be talking about a few things today. The first one is, um, I'm going to be talking about the Harry Potter Alliance's new campaign. Uh, we just started up, uh, one of my favorite campaigns that we do every year. It's Akio Books time, and it's always a crazy but fun time in the HPA, and I was just going to share a little bit about that. The second thing I'm going to be talking about is the Hitalia movie came out, and it's so good, so it's going to be my review of the Hitalia movie, and I'm so excited about talking about it, because I haven't really been able to talk about it to anybody. And the uh, the third thing I'm going to be talking about 
is uh, the new season of Pokemon started in America, and I don't know how I feel about it yet, so there's been about four episodes in America, four or five, and I'm going to talk about what I think about it so far, which is kind of meh. So yeah, let us get started on today's episode of Hope of All Trades. Oh yeah, hi, you are listening to Hope of All Trades, and my name is Hope Mullinax, and I am your host of this show of awesome. And, yeah. Okay, so let's get started. So, it's Akio Books time. What you don't know, if you don't know about Akio Books, is it's a campaign that we have done the last two years. This is our third consecutive year of doing it, and it's every March. So that's a good way to remember it. March equals Akio Books. And in the last years, uh, it's been really, really successful. The first year, we only thought we were going to get 500 books. We got something crazy, like 13,000 we sent 2,000 of them to a youth village in Rwanda, and this village was uh, uh, children who survived the 94 genocide. I think it was 94. But they survived the genocide back in the 90s, and they all had grown up in this village, you know, to be safe and protect them and stuff like that. And then the second year, uh, last year, we sent them to the Mississippi Delta, which is one of the poorest regions in the United States. And this year, we're going even further. We are building a library. Like, a physical building a library. And I'm going to read this straight from the website. I'm going to make sure it's in my show notes so you can follow a link to it. So, the HPA is partnering with the Bedford-Strafra New Beginnings Charter School in Brooklyn. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce this word. It's S T U Y V. E-S-A-N-T, Struvescent Beginnings Charter School in Brooklyn, New York, to build the Imagine Better Library for their students. And there are two ways you can participate in this. You can donate old books to the school or in your local communities, and you can, or you can buy new books for yourself in a special promotion at Borders.com on March 19th to March 20th. The school, this school opened in September of 2010 without a library. They needed books of all types, including fiction, nonfiction, reference, historical biographies, geographies, science topics, including science fair ideas for their K-5 through students. And you can read more on the website about how to, find, uh, how to find out how to donate books. And this is just like any other uh, Akio books, and we're having a house cup competition. And uh, what it is is depending on what books you donate, and when I say what books, I mean you get a little extra money for Harry Potter books, you know, because they are, it's a Harry Potter organization, so you get a little extra points for that, but you can, the uh, the amount of books that you donate and stuff like that, you get points for your house, so if you donate like 20 books for your house, you get points for all those 20 books, it's not a one-time thing, you get points for each book, so you can donate books, and so get, get points for your house, and it's really fun, awesome program. And if you buy books for yourself this month, on March 19th through the 20th, Borders Books will be donating a percentage of their sales to the HPA to help supply the Imagine Better Library with bookshelves and to help the HPA continue to work with the school. There is, uh, you can use the coupon code online or in person at the stores, and the coupon is on our website. You just click on it and print it out. And uh, you can rest easy knowing that your books are going to a really good cause. And they have a recommended reading list on there, too, for uh, books that are good for the school. 
And yeah, so we are literally, literally building a library. And it's a really good cause. And like I said, I'll put post links in my show notes so you can come look at it. And if you want to help donate in an area near you, I can almost promise you there's a Harry Potter chapter somewhere near you. We have chapters all over the world, especially all over the U.S. So if you, you don't have to join the chapter, but if you want to make sure your books get donated to a local area, you can work with your local chapter. And if you want to find a chapter, you can, um, you can email chapters at thehpalliance.org. Chapters at thehpalliance.org, and they will hook you up with a chapter that you can find, or you can donate locally. The only thing is, uh, we respect Goodwill and the Salvation Army and used bookstores, but they do not count for this competition. It has to go to an organization like maybe a better women's shelter, or an orphanage, or or your local library, or something like that. So. Yes, that is what's going on with Akio Books, uh, where it's part of the Deathly Hallows campaign, which is our huge overlapping campaign. The Deathly Hallows campaign, what it is, is we're fighting seven uh, horcruxes in our world between uh, the seventh movie number one and the seventh movie number two uh, that's coming out this summer. And we've already done a few. We've done a bullying horcrux. We did a Dementor horcrux, which is, uh, you know, you hate on yourself and you need to better yourself and not hate on yourself and... We've done a lot, and this is part of this campaign. And we still have a few more Horcruxes to fight between now and the movie in the summer. So if you want to stay tuned and get involved with some really, really awesome stuff, then do it. It's awesome. So keep it listening out for me, and I'll tell you more about it when we have future campaigns in the future. And hold on, I need to sip my coffee. So yeah, that's what's going on with the Harry Potter Alliance. Um, Like I said, I'll have all my stuff in the show notes. All right, let's move on. I'm very excited to talk about this, and I'm even going to pull it up so I can look at it. Paint It White, Wet White, is the Hatalia movie, and it's so damn good. It's so good, guys. You don't even know how good this movie is, and I'm a Hatalia fan. I've talked about it several times on the show. We've had a Hatalia episode, and so you all know my love for this show. It's great because it just got better with the movie, and the movie just took it to a new level, and a lot of people were bashing the movie because what it did was about 70% of the movie is original material, and about 30% is just running jokes or gags from the TV show. It's not original, and people kind of knocked it down for that. But honestly, I never had a problem with the running jokes in the movie, and them showing up again, and I, I don't see why people are knocking it down for that. Don't get it. It's still a great movie. So, here is the main plot of Painted White. So, the world is being invaded by aliens. Yes, I said aliens. And what they're doing is they're turning people of the world and buildings into these, like, white blobs and... They're kind of just taking over the world. And the world is not happy about this. And if you don't know the basic plot of Italia, it personifies the nations of the world and then takes you through history. So you literally have, like, um, the person who is America and England and China and Russia and all of them. And they're trying to save the world. 
And anyway, so they're turning these people into aliens, and the nations are not happy about this, so they decide to fight back, and when they all fail to fight the aliens off on their own, they decide to come together and work together as a group to try to fend off the aliens, and hilarity ensues. So, going through the movie, it's awesome. I love it. I love it. The animation for the movie had just got bumped up. If you look at the show, the, like an episode, and then look at the animation of the movie, so much better. It's much cleaner. It's much nicer. It flows much more. It's not just your stock, like, ah, anime faces. It's actually, you know, takes these characters to a deeper level. So let's go through it. Okay, so it opens with a brand new character, Iceland. And I have to say, when he talked... Iceland's supposed to be 15. I'm sorry, he's supposed to be, like, very young in the series. And he, his voice is so deep, like, ridiculous amounts of deep, and I don't think it was a very good introduction to his character. And even in the anime when they brought him in, it, I, I, I'm not too fond of Iceland right now. So, yeah, and he doesn't have much use in the movie. He's in the beginning, and he's in the end. That's it. It was just kind of a fan service moment, and I'm not a big fan of fan service yeah. Moments, and then you go to the next scene, and oh my God, there's this human running through the streets trying to get away from the aliens, and they finally catch her, and you see how they turn people into aliens, and it's kind of a nice kind of action-packed opening scene. It's really kind of creepy and good and awesome. And then you go to the world meeting, and the world's trying to figure out what to do, and of course, in Italia fashion, they can't come together and agree on anything. So Germany walks out. And they all decide to do things on their own. So you go to the next scene, and they're attacking the aliens, and none of their attacks are working, because the aliens are shooting out beams and, like, turning their tanks into white blobs, and they're sucking at life. And so you get to a point where... What is one of my favorite scenes, actually. And it's all the nations are staring, like, at their capitals as just totally white and destroyed, no color, no life. And it's a deeper kind of serious note for this series, because if you know Hitalia, it's just crazy, it's cracktastic, and I love this scene, because you see, get to see these characters on a much, much deeper level, to show that they do care for their countries, they do care for their people, and they're so just devastated that they've lost absolutely everything, and so then they take refuge on this, like, little dock, and it's... I have no idea where this dot came from. It looks like it's from, like, Cuba or something, or Jamaica, and it's really cute. And they come together, and they decide that they have to work together. They have to get through this as much as they really don't like each other. So they start brainstorming ideas, and it hilarity ensues, because then you get America suggesting Bacon Man, or uh, some superhero, and he goes, BACON! when he punches stuff. That's where the fun, cracktasticness of Italia comes back in. So, they learn a little bit more about the aliens from America's friend, Tony. Tony is an alien himself, and, yeah. But about halfway through, when Tony is about to tell them how to fight off the aliens, he gets turned into one himself, because their little color colorful sucking beam goes through. And about the same time, the mothership comes up, and the uh, nations see that all the people are vanishing on the mothership. And so they decide, in Great Hitalia style, to sneak on the mothership. But they don't look like these aliens. They all have color, and they're not blobby things. And then Italy 
in a moment of awesomeness, takes all the white flags that he made, because Italy's not a fighter, he's a surrenderer, surrendery, whatever the word is, and he takes all his white flags and makes costumes for them so they can sneak on. And I have to say, this was a moment I was really... <laughs> I originally watched this movie without the subtitles when it first came out, and so all of a sudden... Italy just shows up with costumes. I was like, oh my god, how does Italy find these things? And then I remember the line from a very Potter musical that Hufflepuffs are very good finders, and then I built this theory that Italy was a Hufflepuff and he was good at finding stuff, and then I was sad because he made the costume, so Italy's not the Hufflepuff I thought he was. And so, they all sneak on the ship, and they all split up, and they're looking for ways to destroy the aliens. And it gets pretty fun, because you get a little bit of a fruquet, which is France and United Kingdom action, which makes fans happy, because they like when fruquets together. Um, and they're trying to find, uh, they're, they're sneaking around in closets, and what happens is they find um, this globe, and they can see how much of the world has already been turned into alien land. And it has a nice, like, Pokemon moment, where, uh, <laughs> where England taps on his country and holds up his phone and it translates it. And it's like, England, the island Pokemon. England, people don't eat food. And I was like, oh my god, this is just like reading off a Pokedex entry. And it kind of made me happy. And through some events, they all get caught on the ship, mainly because Russia touches buttons and accidentally sets off an alarm. And, um... And so they decide to go into probably one of the best segments of this movie, is when they're showcasing what what qualities of the world are great in each country, and why each country is important, and trying to show the aliens, like, you can't take us over. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. You can't take us over because we have really great things in our country. And I just want to say in the beginning, and this is what something I kind of liked about Italia in this movie, they said that the aliens came to the world because we were an undeveloped world that fought each other. We were such so weak as a planet because we spent all of our time fighting each other that we were easy to take. Which I thought was a very good moral. That if we took time and got to know each other and didn't fight amongst ourselves, we would be stronger as a planet. And I was like, you go, Hitalia. Anyway. So they start showcasing parts of the world, which is very hilarious moments, because you have, like, France being a magical girl and transforming into a waiter, and it's great. And they're showing off their food, and they're showing off Russian ballet, which is poor. Latvia and Estonia and Lithuania have to dress up because they can't say no to Russia. And Germany's trying to give them beer. And America opens up a casino and is showing them, like, Las Vegas-style treats. And the world, it's all going really well. And everything's going so well until they make gift bags for the aliens. And England put his scones in the gift bag. And a running joke in the, in the series is England's scones are not edible. And they're like black masses where they actually blur out the scones. And they didn't blur it out for the movie, but that's the running joke. So when all the aliens bit into England's scones, they got mad and thought they were being backstabbed. And they chased him off the ship, and the nation just jump off the mothership and land in the ocean. And that's the end of that. And so they fail and pretty much almost start World War III because England can't cook. And so you move on, and Germany wakes up, and he's in the forest, and his strength is almost depleted. And he's in the jungle, and he's stumbling around, and he 
he's trying to figure out like where everybody else is. And just as he's starting to collapse, he sees a light and he runs out. And there's Italy, useless little Italy, on the beach cooking pasta. Yes, cooking pasta. And all the nations follow the light, and I think they call it like the light of Italy's like good nature or something or other, blah blah blah. And they follow him, and they're all sort of coming together and trying to regroup and stuff like that. And during this time, Sealand, and if you don't know what Sealand is, it's it's a great read. Go, they are so proud of themselves. Go, like, pause me right now and go look up Sealand. It is just a laughable, awesome country, because all it is is this fort. <laughs> five miles off the coast of England, and <laughs> it's just this big, rusty, rust bucket, and, um, <laughs> and they are so proud to be, like, the world's smallest quote-unquote nation, but they're not considered a nation because it's man-made. It's not, like, land. It's just a man-made, but they consider themselves a nation. They have a king. They, they like, their, their king's, like, King Paul or something, and his family, like, his, like, Gucci-wearing daughters, the princess. <laughs> it's a really ridiculous place. They have their own stamps. They have their own money. You can go on Sealand's website and become, like, a duke if you pay for it and get, like, international... Well, it doesn't work on an international level, but you can be the Duke of Sealand. It's, it's just a great country, and I love reading about it. I love following them on Facebook because they're just so awesome and so great. And when they found out about Hitalia... They went to Funimation and Tokyo Pop and issued this contest, and whoever, you know, drew, like, did the best fan thing to show love for Sealand, they got, like, won a certificate to become a Duke of Sealand or a Duchess or whatever. So just go look up Sealand. It's a really great find and a really great read, and it's kind of fun to watch. Anyway, I bring up Sealand because they hear someone yelling, and they look up, and literally the fort of Sealand is, like, sailing towards them. And there's little Sealand standing on it, and he's coming because he thinks that he will be recognized as a real nation if he helps out the bigger nations. So, they're all chilling out, and they're talking, they're trying to figure out what to do about the aliens. And then, of course, in all, in all you know, seriousness, the a aliens show up, and they're like, OMG, what are we going to do? So Sealand runs out hops on his fort, is going to go attack him, and they attack him first, and he gets turned into a blobby blob, blobby thing. And so, the aliens are pouring out of their ships, the poor nations are trying to figure out, like, what to do, because they're about to get attacked, and one thing that happened earlier is Italy was just nice to the aliens earlier, and it confused them, and they became a little bit more warm and welcoming. So Germany runs up, and he's shaking Italy, and he's like, Italy, you have to laugh, you have to make them feel good again, you have to do this, and Italy gets so scared that he runs off in good old Italia fashion. And then it goes into one of my favorite scenes, which is the fight scene. This fight scene is so awesome. It's probably my favorite part of the movie, because you get to see all the aliens be badasses, especially America. America's an effing ninja. It's so awesome, And but in sad, sad, what happens is they all start getting turned into the aliens, because they start getting uh, shot with their little alien beams, but it's a really well-drawn scene, which is very different for this series. Oh, God, I'm, I love America backflipping. It's awesome. He's an effing ninja. And so they're all getting turned into aliens, and they're all freaking out, and they're all like, oh no, we're turning into aliens! Oh god! And in his, like, last, like, 
ditch effort to try and save his friends. Germany, like, becomes this powerhouse tank and is taking them out left and right, but three of them jump on him and, is, and turn him into an alien. And in his very last breath, he, like, screams at Italy to, you know, laugh and make the aliens feel welcomed. And they all turn into aliens, and all that's left is Italy. Poor little Feliciano is the only savior of the world that is left. We're all going to die, pretty much. And so he's freaking out. The aliens are closing in, and then you hear singing. And this was, this is a joke straight from the anime. And the anime, Grandpa Rome, shows up at times singing to break up the fight of between the Axis and the Allies. And uh, he sings, and it confuses everybody, and then he leaves. That's the only like point he has, and that's exactly what happens here. Grandpa Rome shows up. He sings his song to distract the aliens, and then he leaves. But it's a little different from the anime, because he's dressed like a metal rocker. He looks like a reject from Metalocalypse. Like, like Death Clock kicked him out of the band, and so he came here to sing for his grandson. That's what it looks like. Not kidding. And so he vanishes, the aliens are confused, and then Italy looks down and finds a marker laying on the ground. And he thinks that, you know, Grandpa Rome must have gave it to him. I really don't know how he got the marker. Like I said, Italy's a Hufflepuff, and Hufflepuffs are very good finders. So he picks up the microphone and starts drawing faces on all the aliens and making them laugh at themselves and confuses them. And he draws faces on all the nations, and they all start turning back into people with awesome magic. Moral of the story is, the aliens are happy that they all have individual personalities now because they all have faces drawn on them, so they agreed to leave the planet, leave the nations in happiness, and they return to their home world where they all live happily ever after. That is the Catalium movie, and it has a great ending dance scene, and I want to learn this dance. It's really cute. There's little things throughout the series, throughout the movie thrown in there, like little kind of side stories. For example, you have like Canada and Cuba, and uh, they're working together helping all the people who were, you know, injured during this attack, and got, like were half-transformed people, and they're helping them out, you know, just you be the kind heart Canada is and the tough heart. Cuba is, and they're, like, yelling at, Cuba's yelling at the people, it's like, you're gonna be okay! And Canada's like, oh no, it's okay, we have you here. And there's other side stories going on, like, the entire time, Switzerland and Liechtenstein are perfectly safe. They have a freaking barrier around their country where the aliens cannot get to them. Do you know why? Because Switzerland is always neutral, which makes me laugh. Every war, so Switzerland's neutral, so therefore the aliens can't get to them and get through this barrier around their country because they're neutral. And they have other side things thrown in. They have, like, uh, uh, Finland staring at the sky going, Man, I wish it was Christmas soon. And then you have, like, Austria, and he can't play the piano right, and he freaks out, and just little side things. But overall, I love this movie. It's coming out in the U.S. in the fall, and I cannot wait. I am so super excited for this movie to come out. And because just to hear the awesomeness of like Eric Vale dubbing it, Eric Vale's so good and being America, and I love it, and he cracks me up. 
I want to hear, um, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'm about to mispronounce your name so bad, please, please forgive me, especially since you were so awesome and you posted for Akio, you posted for the Harry Potter Alliance, but I love hearing Patrick Seitz, 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 as Germany, sorry, as Germany, and, um, I love his Germany and how he talks, and I just really love the entire dubbing of Hatalia. I'm not a fan of subs. I, I'm not a fan of dubs most of the time, but they did a really awesome job with Hatalia. It's so funny, um, and I, I love the dubs, and so I'm very much looking forward to getting this movie in the fall, and it comes to the U.S. in the fall. Can't wait. And so, yes, that is my review of Paint It White. It's very good. If you're a Hitalia fan, go watch it. You can find it in the live journal uh, threads by now. It's online. You can find it. If you're not a fan, it's it's kind of a fun watch. You might be a little bit confused of some of the concepts because, like I said, about 30% of the movie is in, uh, you know, kind of jokes. But some of the jokes you just don't need to know the show to get. Some of them, when you have one scene where it's just Holy Roman Empire and Chibitalia, and they're just looking at each other and like, Holy Roman Empire, Chibitalia, and they're just staring at each other. You're not going to get that. I'm sorry. It's about 15 seconds that you're not going to get. Move on. So it's very good. I love it. Can't wait. Funimation, awesome. Do a good job dubbing this. I'm trusting you guys to be awesome, and I trust you guys anyway. Moving on! Okay, ooh, ooh, sorry, I kicked my microphone. Sorry for kicking my microphone. Alright, moving on. This is the last thing I'm going to talk about today, because I have to record a very short episode, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. So, there's a new season of Pokemon. Pokemon! Um, it's Pokemon Black and White. They are being dubbed the Best Wishes season. Uh, before, it was Diamond and Pearl, and then, uh... I think, uh, Galactic Battles? No, uh, Sinner League Victors. And so, um, and this is now the Best Wishes Saga, which is coinciding with Pokemon Black and White, which is coming out to the U.S. Oh, I think Pokemon Black and White came out either this week or last week. It's, it either just came out or it's literally about to come out, like, in a week or two. It is not far away at all. Oh, I know how to check this. <gasps> I'm on Bulbapedia. Anyway, Bulbapedia, activate. Pokemon, black and white, is internet to go faster. Come on, internet, for the win. You can do it. I believe in you. I believe in you. Oh, uh, it's already out. Pokemon black and white is out in the U.S., so if you want to play the new game, it's out. Go buy it. I probably won't buy it, because I don't have a DS as much as I really, 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 really want one. Anyway. So, Best Wishes. Just came out in the U.S. Um, it's Ash starting his new journey in a new region. Uh, I think it's called, like, Unova, Anova, whatever it's called. I don't really care. And so, I've seen about one, two, three, about four episodes. The fifth episode premieres in the U.S. on Saturday, which is tomorrow, actually. It is tomorrow. So, the new episode premieres tomorrow. And... I don't know how I feel about this season. I am very... I was very against Pokemon Black and White from the beginning. Um, I'm very fond of the Diamond and Pearl series. I love all the Generation 4 Pokemon, which is a relief, because I really did not like Generation 3 Pokemon. Um, not, I was not a fan of them all. I thought they were kind of stupid and useless and dumb. 
and then Generation 4 came out, and it renewed my hope and my love of Pokemon. Because I, I fought a Pokemon for a good chunk there, not only for the games, but for the series as well. Because Generation 3 Pokemon, you get May and Max. And I like Max as a character. I don't like May. Well, I didn't like her in the beginning, but she's finally warming up to me. Um, and because she's annoying, and she whines, and she cries, which... She becomes a much better person later, so I gotta give her that much. She does change, and that's why I got to Diamond and Pearl, and I love Diamond and Pearl seasons, and I love the Diamond and Pearl games, because it's, um, you know, it's fun. And they have really great Pokemon, and the evolutions make sense. That's why I don't really like the new Generation 5 Pokemon, because when they evolve... They look nothing like, a lot of them don't look anything like their previous forms. And then you get Pokemon like Gear. It's a literal, it's a Gear, and its name is Gear. And I don't know what its English name is. Frankly, I don't care enough. It can fall off a building for all I care. And it's just like, the, the makers of Pokemon are slowly running out of ideas. I wish they would just draw the line here, stop, and just write stories with what they have. They have so many characters, and they have so many Pokemon. If they literally sat down and wrote a new episode about every single Pokemon, they would have 649 Pokemon episodes. Because there are now 649 Pokemon, I believe. Something like that. It's almost at 650. That's a ridiculous amount of Pokemon. Re-damn-diculous amount. And it's just, it's crazy how many... Pokemon there are, and especially in this new series, there's something like nine legendaries, or like, or four legendaries, or like four legendaries, and each legendary has like another form, I don't know, it's really ridiculous, and after a while, when you have a new group of legendaries for every single generation, there's like 20 legendaries now, it, they're not really legendary and rare if there's 20 of them, honestly, I missed the good old days, and I was like, Mewtwo, Zapdos, Moltres, and Articuno. That's it. And I, I was even okay adding, like, the dog ones, like, Entei and stuff like that. And But now it's just, like, there are too many. In Generation 4, you made the god of Pokemon. You made, you made Pokemon where they control time and space. You made Pokemon legendary Pokemon that, you know, control the other dimensions. And you made Arceus, or Arceus, or whatever the fuck his name is. You made him to become God of Pokemon. How can you have any other legends after you have God Pokemon? I mean, really? Really? I just... Pokemon's starting to play. It's my guilty pleasure. I love Pokemon. But that's why I was trying to, like, meh about the series, because it's getting to a point now where it's just too much. There are too many people, and too many characters, and too... Just freaking munch. And they're running out of, like, ideas and space. And if they just, you know, focused and took time on what they already have, they can make a really, really, really good series. And, like, Diamond and Pearl. Diamond and Pearl was an awesome series. And this is why I, I have a little, uh, like, other than everything I've already said. But this is uh, sort of why I, why I have a prejudice against the new Black and White series. I love the Diamond and Pearl series. I really do. I liked watching Dawn grow. Dawn, at the very beginning, first episode, she's whiny, she's crying, and by episode five, after, like, a few episodes spending time with Brock and Ash, she starts changing. She starts growing up. She starts becoming a better person, a better trainer, and a very good role model for young ladies on how to be 
stronger and better yourselves and not to be scared and stuff like that. And then you have Brock. I love Brock. Brock is probably my favorite character in the entire series. And he's not here anymore. He he left. And which kind of made me a little sad. <clears throat> so I have a little bit of a cold. And um he he's not here anymore in the series and he's been the one character that's been with Ash more than any other character. Except for maybe Pikachu, because Pikachu and Ash, you know, are inseparable. They might as well just sew them to each other's hips or something. And and there's all these running jokes I kind of made up myself. <laughs> like, um... And it made Pokemon fun to watch. Like, uh, Brock had this Pokemon called a Krogronk, and whenever he hit on girls, Krogronk would, like, like punch him in the ass. And I, I came up with, like, oh, man, you're about to get Krogunk, Brock. Don't hit on that girl. And sure enough, you got Krogunk. And I used it as a verb a lot. And then you would just have, you know, I don't know. I just really enjoyed the Diamond and Pearl series. I really like the Pokemon of that era. It's, um, Generation 4 Pokemon are very strong, and they were a breath of fresh air. I mean, there was a few that were just, you know, a little bit starting to get too much, like the Eeveelutions. You got Glaceon and Leafeon or whatever they're called. And it's just getting to a point now, there are so many evolutions. The, the perfect amount of evolutions, if you, you can hold all of them in your party. So I was happy with Generation 2, where you had uh, Jolteon, Flareon, Vaporeon, Umbreon, Espeon. And then your Eevee. That was the Eevee team. There's six of them. You can hold all six of them in your party. That's all you need. And then they added the other shoe, and now it's too many, and I don't like it. So, this is my review of Pokemon Best Wishes. It's the new season of Pokemon, as I said. So, Ash is starting a new journey, and he's in this new world. And one thing I do like about this world is it's so far away, you don't have the other Pokemon in it. It's just these guys. It's very, like, when Ash got there with Pikachu, people freak out when they see Pikachu, because they're like, oh my god, we've never seen a Pikachu in our life! We don't have those here. So you don't have the Kanto Pokemon, you don't have the Je Johto or the Sinnoh or the Hoenn Pokemon, you just have Pokemon in this region, which I thought was kind of cool. So Ash isn't going to walk down the street and see, like, I don't know, like a Pidgey flying around. <clears throat> I'm so sorry, anyway, that was kind of gross. You're not going to have, like, see other Pokemon, which I thought was actually kind of cool. It keeps them within this element. You don't have, like, other, you don't ha you won't have, like, a Psyduck fighting, like, oh, fuck, what's a water Pokemon in the new generation? I don't even know, like, a Oshawott at all over territory, which I thought was kind of cool. It gives the, the, the Watcher a chance to learn the new Pokemon, and, because it's only solely focusing on them. Anyway, so... He gets to the new, uh, region. Of course, first episode, he meets a legendary. It's Ash. He's the luckiest kid in the world. Whatever. He's seen more legendaries than anybody else in the entire world and could probably write a book about it. <sighs> and one thing that kind of bothered me about the new season is the narrator in the English said that Ash was still ten. It's thirteen seasons later. This is, I believe, season thirteen. If Ash is still ten... I started watching Pokemon in middle school. No, in elementary school. I better damn well still be 12. If that's how this works. Because <laughs> there's no way he hasn't aged an entire year in 13 seasons. At least one year. I would buy if they said he was 11 or 12. But Ash 
has matured and changed so much as a character, watch episode one and then watch tomorrow's ep- new episode and tell me if he's not a different person. He has matured. He has aged. He has become a much like more ma- paternal figure to his Pokemon. Like when he got Chimchar, who came from an abusive trainer, like a trainer he came from Paul, and Paul abused him. And Ash took the time and the patience to train Chimchar and to help Chimchar work through his anxiety and his fears. No 10-year-old can do that. Can sit down with a Pokemon and say, hey, I understand that you've been beaten and just pillaged by your trainer. Let me help you. And same thing with his new Tepig. I mean, that's bullshit if he's still 10. I'm calling you out on that, dubbers or whatever you are. That is effing bullshit. He has to be at least 12 or 13. I would buy 12. Hell, I would buy about to turn 12. Not 11. I cannot buy 11, but I will buy 12 or 13. But he, there's no way on earth that Ash is still 10. Anyway, so episode 2, he meets Iris. She's her one of the new companions, and her little Pokemon that lives in her hair, and it's kind of gross. Um, her little Pokemon, like, rides around her, her hair. And it's, it really is gross, because he pops out, and I'm just like, God, what the hell are you doing in her hair? Anyway, Iris is kind of cool. I have to... Actually, she's cool on one hand, and then she's a bitch on the other. Iris is, um... I guess she's black. She sort of looks Native American. I don't know. But she's not white, which I kind of applaud Pokemon for. Uh, she's probably Ash's first companion that's not, you know, white. It's not Misty with her bright red fiery hair or... Or Max is a little scrawny white kid. And it kind of rivals Brock. Um, Brock has that darker skin color and stuff like that. And it, it's really nice to see a, another character that has that darker skin color. And embr- kind of sort of embracing, not like other cultures, but you know, I guess other skin colors. <laughs> and anyway, but I don't like Ara so far. I hope she grows on me. She's sort of a bitch. She's a little bitch. <laughs> and I don't like her right now. But I also didn't like Dawn in the beginning. I didn't like Misty in the beginning. So I think that eventually I'm going to grow to like Iris. Because there are times where I'm just like, oh, Iris, that's kind of cool. I'm, I'm glad you sort of did that. But most of the time, she opens her mouth, and I hate her. And mostly because she keeps calling Ash a kid and saying that he doesn't know what to do with anything. And Ash so far has one-upped her every time. And she's still, you know, it's less like, you can't do anything, you're a kid. Oh, you don't know anything about Pokemon. And I'm, Ash is like, excuse me, I placed fourth in like, the, the Sinnoh region just now. I'm probably one of the top Pokemon trainers in the world, not counting gym leaders and Elite Four and champions in all the regions. WTF are you talking about? And I'm just waiting for Ash just to you know, throw it down and be like, look at my badges, bitch! And he probably won't do that, but that'd be really funny. But, I don't like her so far. And, I think she'll grow on me, I really do. She wants to get to know Ash better, and she does, you know, cool stuff. But until then, I'm not gonna like her. Um, yeah. And so, moving on. And then, tomorrow's episode, which I haven't seen yet, because it's not tomorrow yet. We're getting the third traveling companion of, um, of Ash's party. Uh, from looking at Bulbapedia, his name is Ceylon? Silen? Kylan? I don't know, but I'll find out tomorrow when I watch the episode and they pronounce his name, but he's going to become 
kind of the Brock character. It's kind of cool because just like Brock, he's, he's going to be a gym leader and he's going to leave his gym to go travel with Ash. And he's going to have all the supplies and all the maps and stuff like that. So I'm very excited to see kind of this new character. Um, someone to, you know, tell Iris to shut her mouth and go away. And, uh, yeah, so he's going to be that guy who knows all about the Pokemon. He's going to help Ash and so on and so forth. Um, I, I kind of like the episodes so far when it comes Pokemon-wise. As much as I just spent, like, 20 minutes bitching about the new Pokemon, I have to say I kind of like them so far. Because they're not, like, throwing them all at you. You're not trying to, like, learn, like, 20 Pokemon per episode. They're taking an episode at a time. Um, I weren't, I wasn't too fond of the Sandile episode. It was kind of just meh. But I like it because Ash gets a brand new Pokemon. He gets an Oshawott, which is the water starting Pokemon in this region. And Oshawott is kind of funny. He stalks Ash for about three episodes before Ash is like, Why are you following me? Oh, you want to come with me? Okay, let's go. And Oshawott will, like, pretty much shove Pikachu out of the way because he loves Ash's attention so much that he'll, like, sh he shoved, like, Pikachu under a box. <laughs> I was like, No, I'm doing this. And he's kind of cute. So it's, it's interesting, and like always, Ash is getting all three of the starter Pokemon. Happens all the time. He always has all the starter Pokemon, which is pretty much impossible to do in the games. So Ash, you lucky bastard. You now have all three starting Pokemon. Though I did really like the te the Tepid e episode. The Tepid Tepig, which is a Pokemon episode, which was last week's episode. It was really a good episode. It once again showed Ash's maturity. Tepig was uh, abused by his trainer. It's Tepig's the fire starter. And he was abused by his trainer, and so on and so forth. And Ash once again showed a lot of maturity. And Tepig pretty much told Iris to F off. Because Iris was like, I'm gonna catch you! And Tepig just kind of looked at her and like blew some smoke on her. And then just walked over to Ash. And I was like, yeah! You want up that bitch! And so Ash got Tepig as his fire starter. And he's supposed to get Snivy, the grass episode Pokemon. Here, go back, anime. Uh, oh no, go forward, internet. He's supposed to get Snivy in about three episodes, two episodes. So two weeks from now, he'll have the grass starter. And therefore, Ash will have all the starting Pokemon in the region, which is pretty much impossible. But something I've been looking ahead that I find that's kind of cool is unlike other episodes, um, other, other seasons and stuff like that, you can only carry seven Pokemon in your party. Ash captures seven, or it captures six in the region, plus one with Pikachu is seven Pokemon. So, unlike other series, he's going to be constantly rotating out his sixth party. And, um, constantly have those Pokemon in and out, which I, well, that's what they said so far. And I find that kind of cool. That's kind of a new thing. So, Ash will have seven Pokemon that he's constantly working with, opposed to just having not, just having a, a, a six Pokemon. So, yeah. So far, the series isn't really impressing me. I love Team Rocket, though! Oh my god, Team Rocket is effing amazing, because they actually have supplies, they have new cool little outfits, and they're effing ninjas! They are effing ninjas! They are working their shit, and they're getting, they have all this cool stuff to try and take over the Unova region. Unova region! That's what it's called, the Unova region! Um... And, uh, they have a lot of really cool, fancy, smancy stuff to, you know, work with and play with. 
And I really like Team Rocket because they're actually serious bad guys. Before they were just like, oh, we're trying to get Pikachu. Oh, God, we got to go to our 9 to 5 job. We have to go. We'll come back and get Pikachu later. Woo, 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 woo. Like, that's what it's been like. Now, they're serious bad guys. They have awesome supplies. They have are building awesome robots. They have all these tricks. They haven't blown up, I don't think, once. They, they might have blown up, like, twice. The whole, like, we're blasting off again. Ah. They haven't done that very much. I think in four episodes, they would, they've done that once. And in normal episodes, like in the other ones, they probably would have done it, like, 12 times by now. And it's really cool to see how serious they got. Though I do kind of miss the antics. I miss James being his gay little self and... Jesse being the dominating bitch she is, and Meowth just being just like, oh, Meowth, oh, no, no, no. And so it is kind of cool to see this new side of him, but at the same time I sort of miss some of the old kind of antics of the show. So I hope he comes back. So overall, when it comes to Pokemon Best Wishes series, um, I really like the opening title. Uh, the opening song is kind of cool. It's not stupid like some of the past ones. But overall, it's just meh so far. I'm hoping it gets better. Um, I'm, ex- I'm excited about the episode tomorrow. It's uh, the first gym that Ash is going to go to and his first time finding a gym leader in the Univer region. And um, I'm, happy to, I'm excited to see how it works and how it battles and how it comes out and stuff. Um, yeah, so we'll see how it goes. I may or may not warm up to it, but either way I'm just going to watch it because it's Pokemon. And I know there's about 10, 12 episodes that are doing two specials. One is catching back up with Dawn, and the other one's catching back up with Brock. And I'm actually very excited to see those, um, because I miss Dawn and Brock already, because Iris is a bitch, and I don't know who this Ceylon, Cylon character is yet. But no one can replace Brock. If Cylon or Ceylon or whatever the fuck his name is is not hitting on girls, I don't want him. Yeah. So yes. That's my review so far on Pokemon Best Wishes series slash black and white. And, yeah, I covered everything today. This is kind of a short episode because I have to start getting ready for work in about ten minutes. Um, thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for listening, as always. I really enjoy you guys. I really do like being a part of this podcasting community. Um, I will work harder and be better and try to stay on my deadlines. Um, and, yeah. I actually have a really special episode for you guys next time. Um, I was going to go into this episode until I realized how much crap I recorded and how much like stuff I have to go through. But uh, for next time, uh, it's going to be my last party with some of my friends. Um, my best friend moved away, so we had like a going away party. And it was four of us nerdy girls. And you have four nerd girls... And I have five hours worth of, like, material about us just shooting the breeze. And I know I've heard from other True True Freaks episodes that, like, the best episodes you guys think are just ones where we're just kind of hanging out and just talking and doing whatever. That's pretty much what this is. So it's four nerds talking about nerdy stuff, and I hope you guys enjoy it, because I'm going to edit out and take out some of the best parts and stuff. We get in a fight at one point, so I'm not going to put that fight up. Um, (laughs) But I I am going to, you know, keep the best parts of us just talking and just being geeks, and it, so you guys can see a change of what it's like for four geeky girls just being together and hanging out and what we talk about. Um, we play Dirty Scrabble, which is where we're trying to make, like, dirty words, so I have, I think I have that recorded. We play Apples to Apples, stuff like that, and we talk about just everything from Harry Potter to music to, like, I think at one point Firefly and Serenity, 
Um, and I, I hope it's a really good thing for you. But like I said, it's about five to six hours worth of material that I have to edit. And not all of it is very clear. So we're gonna have to, I'm going to have to look through that more and pay, take out the parts that you guys can best hear. So yes, that is this episode of Hope of All Trades. My name is Hope Molinax. Thank you so much, as always, to my wonderful friends at Two True Freaks for being patient and putting up with me. And I adore you guys, and I hope you guys are, going, are being awesome. I hope everything in your life is fantastic. I miss you guys, um, and I hope to hear from you guys soon. Alright? I will talk to you later. Bye, guys.